Christmas, everybody. We're almost here. Um, in, in Christianity, we call this the Advent season. Advent meaning the arrival of God to earth. It's the, one of the greatest events in human history is that God became man. And everyone tries to figure out, well, why did he do that? Why would God be born of a woman, a virgin, and come to earth? And there's many reasons to show us how to live our lives, show us how to be loved. Those are all true. The biblical reasons of why he came are profound. And I like to bring this topic up all the time because the more you understand why he came, the more you can appreciate not just him during Christmas, because the Bible doesn't even give us his birthday. I mean, it was good that he came, but the focus wasn't his birth date. The focus was why he came in the first place. Now, if you want to if you want to do a study, you should Google it and you should look it up and when he was born. And the, the new year for the Jewish holiday, the new year of announcing of a king was September 11th. So most scholars believe that's when he was actually born was in, a, in, in a 2 or 3 D.C. that messed with the calendar. Okay. Yeah, you put guys in charge. You should have sisters This morning, I want to talk about God is the greatest gift giver. Now, if I if I move this a little bit to the to the right, you might not hear the audio. So maybe look. Let's just try to move it. Uh, so you may not see the PowerPoint. So it may not get everything, but at least we get this thing right here that Karen has to see every day, right here. Got this. Unfortunately, see that every day. Uh, God is the greatest gift giver. You know, we all want gifts for Christmas, yeah. right? As you, uh, let me tell you, when you get older, you don't really care much about the gifts anymore, right? It's all about the gift card, right? Um, we all want gifts, but God is the greatest gift giver. He gives himself, and he gives much more. And God enjoys giving us gifts. He really enjoys he enjoys humanity. He, he enjoys the, the day that he made mankind. The angels rejoiced. It is a great time. God had his spiritual family. He had spiritual beings before he made humanity. Before the earth became the earth. This was God's family. It was in the spiritual realm. It was a realm that we do not see. It was in the heavenly realm. And he had different family members who had different jobs. You know, the, the job of the angel was to be a messenger. You know, Mary Mary talked to Gabriel. His job was to give her a message that you are going to be the woman who bears the, the God incarnate. And there was archangels. And there was like, you know, it was a little hierarchy in heaven. There's these guys called sons of God, which are going to be talked about today. There's God's counsel. There's God's share of his, his throne. These are amazing spiritual beings. And they have roles and they have functions. Just like Adam and Eve had, just like we have, our job is to subdue the earth and spread God's good name throughout. So these were kind of what was happening in the very beginning before humans were made. And then in the garden, when God made humans, there was a little conflict in the garden. It was an amazing place. God was there. He resided on earth, a little, little geography in the Middle East. They were there together, humans and God together with his spiritual family and humanity but someone didn't like that there's someone that doesn't like the fact that god made humanity we know him as the serpents we know him as the devil we know him as satan he's got a lot of names he didn't like it so he, he deceives eve and adam 
into disobeying God, thinking that God would eliminate them once and for all. But God doesn't. God goes, no, no, no. I love my creation. I love humanity. I'm going to go and rescue humanity. And one of the one of the part of the plan from the very beginning, God wasn't reacting to this situation. God knew who was going to come, and God had a plan in place. And the plan from the very get-go, before he made Adam, before he made Eve, before he made anybody, God already had a plan that I have to, would have to come and rescue humanity. Because now humanity dies. And when humanity dies, that, that serpent, that devil, he got thrown into what we know as Hades or the underworld. And he gets possession of every soul that is not in Christ, that is not in God. He has the rights to them. That's very important because he is death himself. He's the one that brought death. And so there's this curse that's on humanity. So God is going to give the ultimate gift. That's why he, one reason why he came. But the other reason why God comes is that another part of the spiritual family, you know, have you ever in a family where you ever seen a family fight? You know, one brother's mad at dad and one sister's mad at mom and everyone's kind of fighting. It happened in God's family because no one is perfect except God. He made angels, but they're not perfect. He made you, and you're not perfect. If you think you're perfect, ask your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, or wife, and they'll give you a reality check, right? So there's this, 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 this moment in the Bible history that these sons of God come down and they take women. They, they cross these heavenly boundaries and enter the physical world, world the physical realm of realm, and they have, um, they fall or they take the daughters of humans. And they had children with them. And these men in our history were heroic nation city builders. Names like Nimrod, Babylon, the Hittite Empire, the Amorite Empire. If you ever look at their literature, if you ever Google their literature, their foundations of their origins are great city builders. They were violent military men and they were giants. They were huge. And they devoured and conquered mankind. So these sons of God made this illicit relationship. But I want you to see the connection between what the sons of God did and what verse 5 says. How great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth. It's directly connected to the sons of God influencing humanity. One making giants. But they also passed on a lot of knowledge and a lot of secret knowledge that they weren't supposed to have. And so this ended up creating mankind where God's like, everyone is now corrupted. Everyone now is an idolater. Every, every inclination of the thought of the human heart was only evil at the time. And it's directly connected to the sons of God. Are you with me so far? Because yeah. God's God's going to give us an amazing gift. But you have to know why he gives the gift, right? Here's another reason why. If you ever look at this stuff, this is called the, 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 the Second Temple Jewish Writing. You know, you know your spiritual library, you have the spiritual book, you have that spiritual book, you have the DPI, your IPI, you have all these Douglas Jacoby and all this, you have all this stuff, right? They had the same thing. They had a library of information that commented on the Old Testament. And some of the books you, you, know, you might find when you Google it, the Book of Jubilee, the Book of the Giants, you know, Barak. Judas, 
Hey, Judith. Go get the Testament of Moses. There's all kinds of literature. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Paul, they were reading this as they wrote the New Testament. That's why in the New Testament, some weird, strange quotes are directly from the library. Because they're trying to inform you that what happened years and years ago is still relevant today. So that's what's going on. So some of the things would happen that these sons of God did when they came down and they saw the daughters of men were beautiful, they, they married them, anyone they chose, and they began to pass on. So in First Enoch, one of the one of the quotes from that book, it used to be in the Bible, by the way. They took it out of the Bible and just made it a, a nice literature book of knowledge about the Bible. And the watchers, that's what those sons of God were called in the Bible and by the by the Jewish people, the sons of heaven saw them and desired them, and they said to one another, Come, let's choose for ourselves wives from the daughters of men, and let us beget, let's have children with them. Since God made humanity and we don't like what God made, we're going to make our own race. That's what they decided. We're going to make our own people, have our own cities. And you know what? They're going to worship us. And we're going to give them some information so they're going to be in love with us. And they're going to worship us. Forget God. We're in town. And that was that was part of the problem. And God seeing all this, and God goes, I, I'm going to have to rescue humanity. I'm going to have to rescue them. And so part of their teachings of what they taught these first civilizations was I will just, they taught them sorcery and charms. Wow. Like real, that's like real. Like you, think, yeah. you think your little trinkets are cute? No, they're real. You may not know what they are, but I'm going to tell you what they are. They are direct knowledge, illicit knowledge from the sons of God and sorcery and charms. And, you know, in the book of Micah, it speaks against this. It says, hey, I will destroy your witchcraft. And you will no longer cast spells. It's, not, it's like a Harry Potter movie, right? It's like cast spells. What? Yes. Spells. All that stuff. Harry Potter. Galatians 5.19 says, hey, if you live like this, you'll never inherit the kingdom of God. So there's this knowledge that we're given to them because it made humanity idolatrous. God was no longer God. This became the source of wisdom. This became the source of life, the source of and also in, in the book of Enoch and a lot of the other books, this is what this is what the, 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 they, they are commenting on what the sons of God taught humanity. They showed it, specifically certain, they have names for them. He showed the metals of the earth and how they should work, uh, how they should work gold into fashion to suitably put on them silver, bracelets, ornaments for women. They taught, hey, women, you know, dress this, put this on, and make these ornaments, and have this thing, and it's seductive. Right, but it's also idolatrous, and so what happens in the Bible? First Peter, like this is why this is why he makes the comment. He's not against makeup, he's not against jewelry. What Peter is saying, like, don't let that become idolatrous, don't let that become the thing that's so important. You like, I can't go outside the house once I don't make it so important where your beauty of the inner spirits is, is down and you're putting in the physical up. The Bible just says a lot about this because Peter's commenting because he knows the material. He knows the temptation. Guys, we do the same thing. Where our cologne becomes a dollar, what we wear, how we look, what we do, everything. It becomes something else. It becomes that God is not as important as how I look, how I am. And so these are very, very illicit teachings that humanity got. Another one was like eye paints and dyes. You know, a lot of the stuff you see in the ancient world, 
And this is huge because uh, this led to uh, a lot of it was magic, and a lot of it was uh, connected to um, uh, and medicinal uh, trances in the temple. So there was a lot of not just I think, but it was it was much more devious in the sense of idolatry in their temples. They had they had temple priests that would wear this stuff. They had they had worship. They would worship these deities called the sons of God because that's who gave them the knowledge, and therefore that's who they were worshiping away from God and into these temples. They're finding now structures that are ten thousand BC year old. They're finding old structures. And guess what's happening in their literature? Guess who made their civilizations? Giants, mighty men of renown, huge, conquering military guys that devoured mankind, right? So they also taught them how to cut roots, plants, and spells. Like we, we, we think this is like, oh, it's in a movie. No, this was actually, this was actually society. And it still goes on. It's probably a little more undercover, but it still happens. So they were taught all these illicit things, how to, how to make potions and how to use the roots of plants. You know, you know, we use plants for medicine today. I mean, we get all our medicine from plants. They were taught something. It was taught in a more, in a more sinister, devious, spell-casting way. Remember, divination is a sin because only... God's like, hey, I'm going to give you the knowledge through my word, through my revelation. I will give you what's best for humanity. Those guys are like, God's holding back on you. Hey, let me give you some more secrets. And that's what brought in their worship. They were deceiving mankind and thinking this was the way forward. And God knows it's not. Another thing they taught was violence, how to create swords, how to create spears, how to create shields, how to organize, organize themselves, and how to be violent conquerors. And one of the passages that God's hope is for his people is, yeah, God's people had to, had to learn that because they were living in that time. But God goes, I'm going to turn your spears into pruning notes. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make you guys farmers. You're going to sow spiritual seeds. You're not going to want war anymore. War is bad. It's violent. It's aggressive. It's bloodshed. And that's what the sons of God were always promoting. Violence, bloodshed, and the Nephilim, this is what they did. That's why when you see the, that, that demoniac in, in, in the gospel, and Jesus asking his name, he says, my name is Legion, because it's a military term. They're violent men, right? And that's their spirits. So all this was given to humanity. Humanity was darkened, was lost. God flooded the earth. And God's like, hey, we've got to cleanse the ground from this corruption and idolatry. And God does that, but the Nephilim are still around. They still around. They talk about cut stones. Everyone's like, wow, how do they do that? We can't do that today. That's because they have knowledge. They have knowledge. Our archaeologists are, are bewildered. How can ancient people do that? Well, they had the knowledge. It was given to them how to cut stone, how to, how to manipulate stone. People think that's aliens. No, no, it's just knowledge. That's just knowledge. They knew how to do these things. And a lot of these structures were aligned with the stars, the equinoxes. The solstices, they're all connected to the stars. Well, who in the ancient world? Who's up there? The sons of God. Who's up there? Yeah, the heavenly beings. That's why they're there. That's why we're discovering them. And they're all connected to these, you know, when the sun or the lunar, the lunar cycle comes and the sun cycle comes, they're all connected to worshiping the spiritual beings above. And that's why this knowledge was forbidden. And that's why God's like, man, mankind's becoming. Something what I did not want them to become, but there was rebellion. 
And here are some specific people in the book of Enoch. Shimahaza taught spells and cutting roots. Hermani taught sorcery for the listening of spells and magic skills. Barak El taught the signs of lightning flashes. Kokab El taught the signs of the stars. Zikel taught the signs of shooting stars. Artiko taught the signs of earth. Shamsiel taught the signs of the sun. Sarael taught the signs of the moon. And to begin to reveal mysteries to their wives and to their children. That's what was happening to humanity. And if you look at Leviticus 18, it's a list of depraved. I'm not going to read it because we have children here. <laughs> but I want you to read that. I had to change this because I was going to show you the list, but then the kids. In the very bottom, it says, For all these things were done by the people who lived in the land of Canaan. Those were the descendants of the Nephilim. And the land became defiled. And you defile the land, it will vomit you out and the nations that are before you. He says, do not live like them. And that list is horrific. Because that's what they were living. That's how they lived their lives. And God's people were going to take that land. Was, you are not to be like them. Follow my ways. My ways are good for you. Right? So there's this, there's this thrust of God's people that are going to reject what the other nations are doing. Because all this, all what this does, all what they taught, is they taught humanity to be idolatrous. You know, this is cow, this is for me, you know, this tri-tip, and this is a good ribeye. It's a good example of what idolatry can become. But today, look, 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 look at the, uh, the, the, what the Bible calls idolatry, sexual immorality. That was all Genesis 6. Impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Me, me, my pride, my overindulgence, my possessions, my social media, my ego, my control, all these things are idolatrous because it takes away your relationship with God. That's where God's like, I gotta rescue humanity. I gotta, I gotta save my people from all this rebellion and all these false things that are going on and all things that are happening. It's happening today. We see it. It's happening. It's around us. has a different form, but it's still there. So what God is wanting, he wants us to put to death. So what God's plan was from the beginning was this. He knew there were three things that were going to go wrong. He knew that Adam and Eve were going to rebel. He knew that the sons of God would come on Mount Hermon. He knew that the Tower of Babel people would rebel and try to, you know, manipulate me. He knew all those three things, and, and the people of God would fail in their covenant. God knew all those things. So God goes, I will come down and be the greatest gift of all, and I'm going to come to earth as a, as a human, because the sacrifice to save humanity has to be one of an eternal being. One man just can't die. One human just can't die for God. No, it had to be an eternal being. So with that incarnation, Jesus comes to reverse the curse of Eden. Those will never die. Holy Spirit is given a new covenant. The Pentecost, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus fulfills all these things that humanity failed. He becomes the exact perfect son and example for us all. And what he does in, in, in the Bible, in Acts 2, Peter tells what Jesus did. Jesus had died, and he rose from the dead. And this is what Peter tells all these, these, these Jewish men and women who were living in these cities because they were kicked out of Jerusalem because Jerusalem got taken over by the Babylonians, and they were living out there in exile for a long time. 
And finally they come to, to Jerusalem for a festival. And while they're there, Peter stands up and gives this amazing account of Jesus being the Messiah, the greatest gift of all. And he says this, for anyone who hears this, for anyone who hears this and wants to escape the idolatry and wants to escape the enslavement, he says, change, repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. That's not the gift, though. That's pretty cool. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That promise is for you and your children, those niños, and for all whom the Lord will God will call, from everyone who's far off, God's like, I'm going to give them the gift of me. For anyone that puts their faith and trust in life in the hands of God, that person is going to go, I want to change. They're baptized in water. It's the context. And they're going to get the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what God is giving us. And some of the fruits of the Holy Spirit are love, kindness, gentleness, peace, joy. It's an amazing life. It, 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 it thwarts the depravity. It thwarts idolatry. When you have the Holy Spirit, it reminds you that we're not here to be idolatrous. We're here to give. We're here to love. We're here to be intentional. That Holy Spirit it is a gift that opposes. It's a helper. It's a, it's a helper that helps us to say no to ungodly things. And then, again, in Paul, he's writing this about the Spirit. So Paul comes a little later and goes, hey, you, disciples, you are not in the realm of the flesh. Because you have the Spirit. You are in the realm of the Spirit now. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he's saying that the spirit that gift that you got is the same spirit that rose Jesus from the tomb. That same spirit, that same gift, he raised Christ from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit that lives in you. That means, that's what we talked about Hades. Well, if, if you pass away before the second coming, you'll be in Hades, but you'll be in the chamber where there's peace. Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you're going to be in paradise. The good stuff. As we wait the final judgment. So Paul said, hey, don't worry. If you have the gift of the Spirit, there's nothing to worry about. Because he's saying, reject the realm of the flesh and live in the realm of the spirit. God is giving us one of the greatest gifts that mankind could ever have. And Paul says it's the resurrection. Jesus came not just to be born, but he came to sacrifice himself. And when he did that, this is the result. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. You know, the older I get, you know, I get a scratch on my skin now. It takes like a month to heal now. When I was 15, it'd be gone in two days. And I'm like, I got scars on my arms. I'm like, it's taking a month to heal. I'm decaying. <laughs> I'm not going to live very long. 
The body that is sown is perishable. And I say amen, it's true. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. I'm struggling. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. Love that spiritual body. Same body Jesus gets. Physically resurrected from the dead. It's the same body. And that's the gift. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the gift of the fruits of the Spirit. But it's also a promise that God has marked you. You will not be left in Hades. He will not, he will not let you see decay. He will raise you from the dead. That's what Christmas is really about. Yeah, it's exciting that he was born, but he was just a baby. What came after is why that's why he came. He came to bring us here. He came to give us this. That's why it's so important for you at this holiday is that you're intentional with your love. You need to have a nice list and a naughty list of your friends. Right? The nice are usually the disciples. Oh, got Orlando, I'm just down here in my nice list. And then there's people like, well, that's an audience. These guys, woo, need Jesus, right? That's who you love too. You don't just love the nice ones. It's tempting just to love the nice ones. I call them holy hugs. It's awesome. But God says, no, we need to love those on the other side. And it takes time. It takes time and patience and love and give them a good example. And when it's appropriate, share about your transformation. Share about how God changed you. That's the moment you're wanting with them. Because they have no way out unless you love them. And God wants to partner with you. Christmas time is some of the most loneliest times. People lost their, some people have lost their parents. They lost their loved ones. There's been a divorce in the family. It's a sad time sometimes for people. So this is why he comes to show us and to remind us with that spirit that you got, go and love people. Make a list, check it twice, you know, get on that naughty list and get on that nice list and start loving everybody. And my, by loving, have them over. Make them a meal. Invite them over to your house and your home. Or go out for a meal. Pay for their meal. Spend time with them. Hang out with them. Someone died, I'll come over to your house. You're having a bad day, I'll come over. I'll come visit. That's what love does. You don't have to have the right words to say. Just be present. The ministry of presence is huge. Just be around somebody. is awesome. If you're a gamer, get on the game with them. Play. I don't do that anymore, but I know that's a big thing nowadays. You guys have to game and talk to people. Why? Spend time. Encourage. Because what's sown in weakness is raised in power. It's sown in a natural body, but we want them to have a spiritual body. And that's only given for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, we thank you for just the magnificent efforts, the rebellions that have taken place that are still active, that are still ongoing, and you were able to overcome every one of them by Jesus being born in human form. And it's an amazing moment in history. 
that you've come to rescue humanity. Um, we couldn't ask for a greater God that cares deeply about us. God, I pray that we will care deeply about you. I pray that we will care about what you care about, and that is your creation, humanity. I pray that we will be bold in our love, we'll be bold in our faith, and God, we will, we will, we will partner with you to bring salvation to those who we do life with around us. Our family members sometimes are the hardest. But I pray, God, that you would give us great strength to love and to endure and to carry your message forward. We thank you for all you've done for us. And we thank you so for all the men and women who've written down these, these um, uh, accounts for us to have our Bible. And we so, I so much appreciate the knowledge that's out there for us to learn about it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.